Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hello there and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM, the podcast dedicated to travel risk management. My name is Bex Dedman, also known as Travel Risk Bex. And today, and I love this bit, I love doing my introductions to my guests because you all blush. Um, so this is, uh, um, this is a gentleman who I've actually met only quite recently. Um, and we've actually met, we've kind of connected on LinkedIn. Um, due to a couple of posts that I put out there recently, which I just decided I push the bar a little bit and start talking about, you know, what really happens on business trips and courtesy of a a BA pilot getting up to all sorts of things um, and a few other stories that I'd heard. I had some good fodder for some articles Um, and Stacey uh, got in touch and made some comments and we then had a conversation from that. And from that conversation, once again, I meet another person in this space who's just doing stuff quietly just getting on with it not making a lot of noise and I was like no 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 no. we need to get this experience out there recorded and out there for public domain so without further ado a new friend you may be but a friend you are all the same could I ask that you introduce yourself please to our listeners yes thank you so much for having me on your show Uh, I just want to say good morning or good afternoon wherever you are my name is uh, Stacey Porter And I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I'm originally from Washington, D.C. I was born and raised there. And you're probably wondering, how did I end up in Atlanta, Georgia? Well, I spent 23 years with the federal government. I started my uh, career with the Secret Service, and I worked for two former presidents, uh, former President Clinton and also former President Bush. And then I transitioned over to to, the Department of Homeland Security uh, when he created that after 9-11, former President Bush. And the, what happened, uh, I was actually working at the White House uh, during 9-11. We were uh, preparing for a, a congressional picnic that day. And as you all know, former President Bush was down in Florida at a school reading to a, a group of kids. Fast forward, uh, you know, 9-11 occurred and we, it was just chaotic, uh, chaos everywhere inside the White House, outside the White House, all throughout the United States and the country, uh, as you can imagine. So fast forward, he created Department of Homeland Security, and I thought to myself, along with many other law enforcement personnel, what can I do to ensure we never have another attack on our homeland? So I transitioned over to the Federal Air Marshal Services, and that's when I started doing risk assessments on our nation's airports. I have traveled extensively throughout the country or throughout the world as well, Uh, London quite a bit. Uh, It's probably one of my second homes. But it was pretty interesting doing these risk assessments because I had a chance to see behind the scenes of airports and, you know, just look at all, you know, uh, find all the vulnerabilities that that are associated with the airports and how do we mitigate those vulnerabilities because you have the uh, public traveling every day nonstop and what do we do to ensure the safety of the public. So that's where I came in and I would take uh, photos, taking notes as I'm looking you know, for vulnerabilities at our airports, then I would write up a detailed report and I would present that to my uh, client. So 
that's pretty much how I got involved in uh, doing risk assessments. And then after wearing that hat for a while, I decided it's time for me to look at uh, getting a promotion. And that's how I ended up here in Atlanta. I got promoted to a supervisor position, wore that hat for a while, and, you know, had many assignments as a supervisor as well. And in 2017, December 31st, I decided to call it quits. I retired from the federal government and I started my own company, which is Porter Global Security. And I took all this uh, knowledge and skill that the uh, government trained me and I brought it over to my company. And I continue to do risk assessments as a security consultant now. So that's what I do. And uh, once again, thank you for having me. I hope all of my listeners have gone, okay, yeah. I get why she's got him on. Totally. Presidents, federal government, la la la, off we go. Absolutely. My goodness, what a resume. So there's so much I want to get into. <laughs> um, so let's just start unpicking this. I think let's, as we're, we're talking obviously about travel risk and obviously we always think about airports uh, and, and obviously 9-11 was a huge stake in the ground, awful thing to say, but a, a moment in time that I think changed obviously a lot of lives, but also changed a lot of how we do things right and how we look at stuff in this in this space because it just hadn't really been kind of conceived of before that that was kind of really something that I well actually maybe you know more had it been conceived of before or had risk assessments been done prior to this I'm guessing no because we hadn't even set up homeland security by that point correct and uh, if you look back at 9 11 you know you can see or you saw how they got on the aircraft how they went through security at one time, I'm, I'm not sure how what how it was or how it is over there. At one time in the United States, if you had a loved one or someone traveling, good friend traveling somewhere, you can actually go with them to the uh, gate and see them off on the uh, aircraft. But you can't do that now, which we all know. You have to go through extensive security, and you know if you're not traveling, you don't pass through security. So you know a lot has changed uh, after 9/11, of course, and that's why things continue to change. I'm sure like uh, over in London, just like here, there's continuous construction going on at our airports, adding new terminals, you know, upgrading terminals, adding new security features. And hopefully that's where I come into play when I come in and do these risk assessments on our airports. They're listening and they're implementing these uh, new features, if you will. Agreed. And I think, I think <clears throat> it's just, the reason I kind of I'm so interested in this side specifically about the air, of airports, there's a whole lot more I'm interested in. But just again, from a travel risk perspective is because often when we're writing policies and we're talking about things, we don't think about the actual destinations themselves in our minds as the kind of layman, as the, you know, as the sort of general public, if you will. We just assume <laughs> that airports are pretty secure. You know, you just do. And of course, they are now arguably a lot more than they were then because of that. But they're also extremely busy areas and you know, things have happened at airports around the world subsequently from that. So and it's not to say that every airport has the same standard of security or anything like that. But I think sometimes in our brains, because of what we go through, because of the processes, because of this, we sort of maybe think that it is. And I'm just curious to know if we then sort of expand that to other areas, think about train stations uh you know in in central in central station in new york waterloo or king's cross in london and, and the eurostar going out of that there is just nowhere near the same level of scrutiny or security um and i just wondered have did, has there been from what from obviously i know you specialize in the airport side but has there been interest from other kind of big hubs and areas as well because that for me feels 
like a huge risk. <laughs> you know, we no, talk no, about transport, right. but yeah. we don't talk about the hubs. <clears throat> yeah, transportation is key, uh, and they're very vulnerable. Um, and again, just talking about our airports, and it's pretty much a public facility. Yeah. And what I mean by that, you know, you can get in your vehicle, I can get in my vehicle right now, drive up to the airport, park my vehicle along the terminal frontage, and I can get out my vehicle, walk inside the airport to the baggage claim, if you will, grab a bag, walk out the airport, jump in my car and go. Now, a lot of your airports, because there have been thieves going and doing things like that. And one of the things that airports will do, especially during your peak hours, when it's very crowded, you'll have security uh, personnel kind of roaming around, or you have uh, police officers roaming around in that area. And sometimes they may challenge you, meaning that, you know, once you grab your bag, they may ask you questions just to see who you are and kind of match that ticket that you have with the uh, bag. Okay, this person is who they say they are and they can grab that bag. But a lot of your airports, they're also tied to transportation, meaning like your subway systems. Here in Atlanta, the subway goes right to the airport, which is great. It's convenient because I don't have to drive a vehicle or park my vehicle at the airport. I can just jump on a train and go to the airport if I have a trip. And when I'm back from my trip, jump on a train and come home. So your airports are dealing with a lot from homelessness, because once the weather changes, what do you think? You know, hey, I'm homeless. It's cold out. I can go over to the airport where it's nice and warm. There's water, there's bathroom facilities, and I can utilize all that. So there's always that uh, back and forth fight uh, with our airports. How do we keep our public safe? As you mentioned, with your train stations and bus stations, same thing. You know, you don't have security where you can walk through before you enter on a train or where you enter on a bus. So that's the big fight right there. Now, I know over here, and I'm sure over there as well, you have law enforcement personnel that will patrol and roam the train stations as well as the bus stations just to make sure there is no nefarious activities going on at these locations. Now, again, uh, we have a huge homeless population throughout the United States. And every now and then you may have some issues with that. Uh, the biggest thing over here right now is our youth. There's so much going on with the youth, social media from TikTok to Instagram, and they're posting things on TikTok and Instagram. Hey, let's go over to the train station. Let's go to the airport and we're going to start a big fight, if you will, you know, just so they can get views on TikTok or Instagram. So that's something we have to contend with as well. And, and it's always this back and forth. And we always had this thing in law enforcement, no matter how much we try, train, 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 which we do, but it always seems that the more we train, the bad guy is also training as well, possibly a step ahead of us. So we have to make sure we're not a step ahead of the bad guy, that we're two, three, or four, or five steps ahead of the bad guy. That's crazy. I hadn't even thought <clears throat> that. I don't I don't think that's happening here, but I'm sure it's happening in other areas. I don't think it's happening at airports and stuff. We are definitely having issues with um, uh, activists and things like that. And I sit kind of on the fence with this because I totally understand why the, why people are feeling so passionate about our planet and, and all these things. So I, I do get it. But actually, the reaction is they're disrupting everyday lives and they are doing stuff at airports and, and there's issues as far as that concerned with security. So we're kind of dealing with that more. Um, than kind of just the, the attention thing, but wow. Not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as ISO 31030? A gap analysis exercise from Ascent Risk Management is the best place to start. 
Our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com and booking your gap analysis today. I agree, though, we, we do have to be steps ahead. And this is the whole point of risk management, is it not to be proactive, to not just kind of go, oh, well, yeah, all this stuff's happened, but like it's never going to happen again. And it's like, well, of course it's not. Of course it's going to happen again. And it's going to happen differently and it's going to keep happening because that's what we're yeah. humans and this is what we do. And we've been doing it forever. So we have to just keep wrapping ourselves around it, don't we? So. Yes. Look, thank yeah. you. I want to dive into more, but let's let's take you. Obviously, this is less about me and much more about you. So I want <laughs> to, of all of these incredible things that you've done from sort of joining, you know, the federal government side and obviously looking after the presidents and, and all this amazing experience you've got. I've got so many questions about that. Try and just get in loads of stuff about that if you can. Um, but what is your what is your why in all of this? Because when I speak to my guests, I'm like, you're. You're also driven. And again, as I said at the beginning, you're kind of just very quietly doing this in the background. And I know that's part of it. You know, I get that. We, we, it's not about being exposed and everything, but but it's it can be quite thankless, especially when it comes to corporate. I think it's slightly different if you're on president detail than you are just trying to explain to the to a business why they need to keep their travelers safe. Um, it's a completely different scale. So it can just feel a little bit thankless sometimes. So so what is it that got you out of bed every day? What was it that, you, that drove you to get this career that you've, this incredible career that you've had and you continue to have? Yes, uh, great question. Uh, one of the things I, I tell people all the time, when it comes to security, uh, we don't have uh, an opportunity to get it wrong. We have to get it right every single time. And, and with that said, you know, my why is, you know, I'm passionate about what I do, of course. Uh, I've done it for so many years, but, you know, again, I'm always learning. Uh, I want to continue to learn uh, because there's always change going on. And, and if I, you know, become stagnant, then I'm not growing, I'm not learning. And I try to surround myself with like-minded individuals. So I always tell myself, you know, if I'm the smartest one in the room, then something's wrong. I need to uh, step away and rethink what I'm doing. But, you know, we live in a world that, that unfortunately, a lot of things are going on. I know the, the big thing is mental health. Uh, we've seen right after COVID so much going on. And I think what we, what we did or what happened when we were all locked up in our houses, you know, I hate to say it that way, for the past two years, we didn't rethink really how to open up our businesses and schools. We opened them up and just said, okay, everybody come on back in, not thinking what was going on inside the household. So now we're seeing all these things going on out in the world and we don't have an answer for all these things. So uh, we're such a reactionary uh, country uh, here in the United States, meaning, you know, I remember when I started my business, someone said to me, oh, okay, you work in sales. I said, no, I work in security. I'm a security consultant and, you know, I don't do sales. And then I thought about that. I said, wait a minute, I have to sell my business. You know, how do I sell consulting and, and you know, to get myself in front of a crowd and, and let them know the importance of security. And it's a battle sometimes, but I, I continue to knock on doors because out of all the doors that I knock on, somebody's going to eventually open up that door and say, we need you. But what I try to do is prepare. Preparation is key because we don't want to have me come in after something has happened. We want to jump on it before it happens. So a lot of times security is never invited to the table until something happens. And, and that's what we have to change. 
So I'm continuously knocking on those doors. I'm networking and meeting people like yourself and, and just trying to get my message out there. So that's why I do what I do because I think the message needs to be heard. It needs to be heard loud and clear. And we have to continue working hard. Uh, we're going to get a lot of no's, but eventually we're going to get that yes. And we're going to be able to show our worth. So um, again, if it's something that I can't do as a consultant, I know a lot of other people that can. There's a lot of work and information out here for all of us. And, you know, again, networking is key to me. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And if I can't do it, I know someone that possibly can do it. So, you know, I'll turn it over to them and I'll step away. And, you know, that's how we try to work with each other. Someone may reach out to me and say, hey, Stacy, you know, there is a big project at this airport. I know your uh, background in airports is very strong. Maybe there's something that you could look into. And that's what I try to surround myself with people like that. And uh, I'm very passionate about it because I know, like all of us, eventually we have to step away from what we're doing and enjoy the beauty of life and let the next generation take over. So what can I do to, to change that and educate the next generation to step in and continue this process? That's what I'm passionate about. Wow, just wow. Um, oh, I just, I love this for so many different things. So I often say that I feel like my generation has kind of a, it's something we just have to do, like we have to put this stuff in place because I'm the last generation that kind of spans pre-internet and internet. And obviously everything that came after that is, is just different. And I just, so we we knew what it was like to travel without a smartphone, right? And and to actually have to look at stuff beforehand and plan and do a bit of pre-planning and maybe buy a book on, it sounds almost ridiculous, doesn't it? Maybe buy a book on the place that you were going to because that's what you were going to do and you would talk to other people and you'd have conversations. And maybe the risks that we that were there then seem less than what they are now. Because I remember when I first did a trip to abroad, my mum was concerned about me going to Thailand not having clean water. Like it's it was Thailand in in. 2000 it was it was kind of it wasn't fine but you know bottled water was readily available um now it just seems like the world has just changed so much whereas we we know we know how to kind of counter some of these risks because as i often say it's not just that the world has changed and it's more risky we as humans or these generations coming up underneath us are willing to take risks that i think perhaps we wouldn't have taken before um you know even just going back to you talking about people starting some sort of fracas or fracas at a at an airport just to get social media attention I mean like that just feels insane to my generation like what the yeah. fuck why would you do that but it's just a completely different mindset and I just feel like we really owe it to them so I'm I'm echoing your point about this is this is what we've done I've got all of this knowledge I need to now impart this to actually try and make the world safer for these future generations that are then going to take it from you and move on because what I have a fear of, if we don't do this, it's a bit like the sort of tech, the digital generation. There's, there's some stuff that's been lost somewhere along the lines of those people that did stuff by bookkeeping and then technology came in. And somehow that didn't connect because you see the technologies and they're not necessarily doing exactly the same thing as what so we've, com we've complicated things. This stuff isn't necessarily that complicated. It's just about a different mindset. It's about not about money. <laughs> it is ultimately, but this is about ca mm -hmm. caring about the people that you're asking to do stuff for you. Absolutely right. 
And, and you know what, uh, just to go back to something you said earlier, uh, when you talked about traveling to Thailand when you were younger, um, you know, pretty much what you and your mom were doing, you guys were actually doing a mini risk assessment. And right. prior to you traveling, I call it pre-trip pre planning, prior to you traveling to an unknown location you've never been before, you're going to do your research on this location. You know, is there, you know, a lot of civil unrest going on where I'm going? Okay, if there is, maybe I need to rethink where I'm going. You know, what about the health conditions? Um, you know, we had COVID occur. Uh, should I travel to the U.S.? Should I travel to uh, the U.K.? Things like that. You have to do these uh, pre-trip planning uh, assessments. So that's key prior to you doing anything. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't uh, do their pre-trip planning. They just, you know, look at, hey, I'm going on vacation. I have a business trip to this location. One of the things I try to, especially if I'm leaving the country, uh, that's paramount. Where am I staying? If I'm staying there, I'm going to do a Google map search of the hotel. Where are all the exits at this hotel in the event of emergency? Where is the closest embassy in the event that something happens? As we're seeing over in Israel, you know, you have a lot of U.S. Uh, uh, folks over there in Israel. How do we get them out? And I'm sure it's the same thing with you guys. You probably have a lot of folks over there in the UK, uh, from the UK as well. What do we do to get them out of Israel? So these are things that we have to really, really keep in mind prior to taking a trip, uh, pre-trip planning, uh, because again, that's paramount. Uh, do I drink the water, as you mentioned? Because you know we live in a place where I'm comfortable drinking my water here, but if I were to travel to another country, I can't do some of the things that I do in my homeland. And those are the things that I have to uh, understand. Now also, one of the things we very, very important that we have to do is just because you do and act a certain way uh, in your country, which may be you know, authorized, doesn't mean you can do those same things when you travel to another country. And we've seen that where folks travel to another country, they've done some things or someone says something to them and you, know, you have this back and forth and lo and behold, you're being arrested because you violated some type of a, you know, policy over in that country. And those things I have to tell people, just because you do things a certain way in the U.S. doesn't mean those same rules apply elsewhere. We have to remember that. And at the moment, there's this blocker, right, where we, the client or the corporate who's asking someone to travel, because leisure travel is one thing, right? If you're traveling, yes, of course, you would hope that you would be doing it for yourself, just out of your own interest and your own kind of wanting to keep yourself and your family safe. But then there's this gap between corporate travel where I think for the last sort of 20, 30, 50 years, corporate organizations have sort of put it back on the traveler to do all of that which is fine and it was fine again this sort of pre-internet generation but actually it's kind of not so fine now because we're dealing with multi-experienced workforces from multi from, from uh, globally so obviously different cultures different countries you know you've got these huge organizations that have globalized and have this kind of company culture that's supposed to kind of sit across the whole culture. It'd be ridiculous. Of course it doesn't. In the nicest possible way, it's completely subject to whatever country that company is operating in and the local cultures, etc. And so what what are we expecting? Our, what I'm trying to get to is what we're we expecting our travellers to find out. You know, what, what do we, we expect them to go and learn about before they go and do a trip? So there's this piece of responsibility, which I completely agree that, part of that is on the traveler and doing the stuff that we that we did naturally which I don't think people all do to the same degree today because actually they have this expectation well what do you mean surely you've got this covered 
Because if you're expecting me to go and do that, then the hotel is vetted, right? And this is done and this is done because, whoa, and it isn't. But these travellers I love, like these are the travellers that are changing the world for me. These are the travellers that are pushing back and saying, no, actually, unless this stuff's in place, I'm not doing it. Um, But they only know what they know. And that's why conversations like what we're having and the work that you do, I think, in educating travellers in the security side of things and the things they should look out for and, I mean, I do quite a lot of stuff when I check into a hotel, but I don't look at their plan and find out all their exit doors beforehand. So that's what I'm going to take yeah. away. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. This is the stuff, right? And, like, and I, you know. Yeah, and one thing I'll add to that, uh, if you don't mind, uh, insurance. Uh, yeah. Huge, huge. Uh, when you talk about insurance, just because I have coverage here in the United States for my health insurance, I also have to understand, no, two things when I say insurance. Uh, Will I have insurance on my travel? So that's one. And two, if I'm in a country and I get ill, will my insurance cover my medical expenses or will the organization pick that up? So those are the things that you also have to do the research on. But when an organization, when they care about their employees and they have all the policies and procedures in place, your employees are willing to travel and do what they need to do for that organization because they care. So that what I mean by that is they've done the research, they know, okay, these are the things that we have in place in the event of a crisis, in the event of an illness or health issue, we have all these things laid out, this is what you do, one, two, three, four, you follow these steps. So again, you know, I don't rely on anybody to tell me, you know, the information and I just take it as a grain of salt. I also have to do the research uh, myself. So it's a two way street, don't just rely on someone telling you something, you also do the work yourself. and then. You can possibly have that conversation. Once you find out new information, you can go to your employer, your organization and say, hey, you know, quick question. These are the things that I did research on and I found this. Is this true? Now you spark a conversation and you have that organization doing research as well. Lo and behold, they realize, you know what, maybe we shouldn't travel to this location because after further research, you are correct. Yeah, 100% agree, especially when we then start really bringing in the diversities of our workforce, right? That this is this, you know, these aren't policies that might have been suitable for the executives of the organization 50 years ago. These are policies that have got to be acceptable for female travelers, for travelers of different cultures, of different races, of different sexuality, orientation, different ages, different, you know, it's all got to work for, for everybody appropriately to what they need it for, right? Um, well, can you believe, oh, well, we're not quite out of time. I'm going to squeeze in a bit more before I get to the top tips, because I think you've been giving us tips kind of throughout all of this. So, yeah, I just wanted to pick up on something, just the insurance piece. I had my first hand experience of this this year when I was in the US with my mum and she collapsed and we had to use mm-hmm. her insurance. And in 24 hours, she racked up a $45,000 bill. Oh, wow. Now, wow. it was pretty serious. Um we don't have to deal with that in the UK. We've got the NHS, right? God help her. Goodness mm-hmm. help her for as long as we have her. But that's what we have. Um, and that, just trying to deal with that from, from a lay, and I'm not a layman, I, I work in this, so I kind of knew what to do. But just trying to speak to the right people, trying to make sure it was all covered, all within that sort of two-hour period of her practically, well, we almost lost her at one point, so it was really frightening, oh, wow. um, was, was really intense. And I've never done that before. And I've worked in this all my life. And I thought, my goodness, I know the questions I should be asking. If you don't know, what do you do? And how do you ensure 
you're just talking to someone who could be anywhere in the world, quite frankly, because it's a global policy. How do you make them care <laughs> that you're actually in this situation and to ensure and and to ensure that everything goes to plan? Now, on the phone, everything was fine, but it then took another six months afterwards for us to finally get it all signed off because the insurance company couldn't quite get their head around the fact that we were in the UK. Mm, okay. Of course we're on holiday. This is why it's all kicked in. But it was because, again, because we just operate, it, it's just completely different. They were still trying to bill our part, you know, the hotel and where we were staying. It was really complicated. So just an FYI, everyone, definitely <laughs> get into that and find out a bit more about it. Um, and when it comes to the corporate, that's a whole other, you know, massive piece. And and I spent a lot of time during the beginning of the pandemic explaining to corporates um, when I was a TMC what their travel insurance meant. It had nothing to do with cancellations. It had nothing to do with this. It was to do with medical. And yes, if you're lucky, you might have this little extra bit that gives you some money back if you get cancelled. But that's not what that's about. That's down to the relationship with the travel provider. People just don't understand it is is the key. Um, but they're buying these policies. So let's let's try and yeah, get our yeah. around it a bit. So on that, um, I want to just ask you now, like I say, you've given us lots of advice. You've given us lots of experience. But... What is your what are your top tips to I guess anyone wanting to just find out more about this or wanting to get into this space a bit more or even you know from a security perspective when you're traveling whatever you like what's your, what's your golden nugget Stacy uh, golden nugget for me uh, as a security consultant uh, I, I tell people all the time if this is something that you're looking to do uh, you know it, it's very rewarding for me because you get to build this relationship with clients you get to network with individuals such as yourself. And just build great relationships. So I look at that piece on the security consulting side. Uh, be very passionate. You know, it's not always about money. Um, of course, you know, know your worth. Don't get me wrong, but it's not always about money. Just going out there, knowing uh, and showing that you do care, and, and you want it to be safe for everybody, not just uh, okay. I got this client. Let me move on to the next client. As far as traveling, uh, when your organizations have everything in place, uh, again, as I mentioned, you know, your employees are, they're, they're happy to come to work. They're happy to work for you, travel. So make sure your policies and procedures are in place. And, and what I mean by that, don't just have policies or pre procedures in place, you know, read through them, study them. Again, a lot of policies and procedures, things had to be added to it after COVID once you open back up because in the event of a crisis like we saw with COVID, what do you do? And a lot of companies didn't add this into their policies or procedures. So these are the things that we have to add to. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you may have robust uh, policies and procedures, but there's nothing wrong with adding to them. So sit down and have this tough conversation. And if you have to get in a conference room, you know, all heads together, you know, just revamp your policies and make sure that they're, uh, you know, according to what you guys are doing as an organization. So those are a lot of the tips that I like to say. Uh, again, uh, I'm big into networking. Networking is key to me. So uh, you may see me a lot on social media. Uh, even if I, I tell people, don't just go in and like somebody's post, show them that you do care that, hey, I took the time to read this information. And guess what? I can add, you know, maybe a nugget to something that someone posted. That's how we met. You know, I read your post. I was intrigued by it. And, um, you know, without offending anybody, I would say, hey, you know, I can also, you know, lend this advice as well to what you were speaking of. 
And same with you, you know, don't just, you know, write a little blurb on LinkedIn, you know, write a blog if you want to, and you can post that to spark conversation. So I'm really big into that. And I've gained a lot of friends and uh, clients as well off of LinkedIn, and I continue to utilize it as my platform. So, you know, network is key. Now that things are open back up, there's a lot of in-face uh, networking events, you know, make sure you go to those. Uh, the biggest thing also is organizations. Do your research, look at what organizations would best fit you. Um, and that's what I did when I started my business. I needed to look at what organizations would be best for me because like anyone else starting a business, I had so many different organizations coming at me and wanted me to join this organization and which is great, but my goal is to bring money into my company, not for me to pay all these different organizations that I belong to. So do your research, make sure it's a good fit for you. And, you know, that way it gives you some credibility that, okay, not only is this person a security consultant, they belong to a robust organization. You know, I know several other consultants within this organization. So you know, that's great to see and just get involved. Uh, again, you know, sometimes you may have to do some pro bono to start out just to get your name out there and there's nothing wrong with that. So just make sure you're involved, stay relevant, uh, continue to train and continue to learn. Love this. I'm just grinning as you're talking. I think there's such a renaissance, it feels like, um, for travel risk management right now. It feels, even though it's been around and we've been a, sort of aware of the risk, but certainly you know, people like yourselves and, other, and, and, huge, and amazing consultants and people that I talk to in this space. But there is this other wave of, because this is going to get bigger, right? As you rightly said at the beginning of this, companies are not currently doing kind of exactly what they necessarily should be doing and even those that are doing really well in this space are still going to have to keep evolving there's a lot of companies in the world if we bring smes into this which is exactly what we need to be doing because it's not just about the big globals obviously um because we're concerning about all people <clears throat> so that can be you know a one-man band right up to you know an sme or, or or larger there's there's going we're going to need more people in this space and I love, I just love that approach. I think that's exactly what we do at Eight Phase as well. I'm, you know, one of the reasons we reached out to, to each other was, you know, let's connect, let's see how we can help each other. And that's what I love about people working in this space. And I come from travel, and don't get me wrong, travel's open. We're, we're really nice to each other. We really are. We're fun, we're social. But mm, I don't know that there's that much meat to the bones underneath it, if that makes sense. It's just all about selling. That's really what travel is about in the nicest possible way. Whereas these people in this space, this is about caring. If you want to know what caring is, actually move into the security and the risk space, because that's what this is all about. Um, and if we can kind of build that together, then, then that's great. So look, thank you so much for your time. Um, do you have any closing comments for us before I end the show today? And I would be remiss if I didn't add this piece to a situation awareness. Um, that's mm -hmm. very important as well, because when we travel, uh, especially, you know, many of us in the U.S., uh, certain things you have to consider. When I travel to certain countries, I may not wear a certain watch that I may uh, enjoy wearing in the United States. So I don't want to stand out in other countries, unfortunately, you know, no pun intended. I will stand out because I'm super tall. <laughs> But with that said, you know, I won't have the jewelry. Um, I, I see it all the time here in the States. I'm sure you see it over where you are. People in restaurants, especially when they're out 
uh, in the uh, foyer, or not in the uh, foyer area, just uh, outside dining. When I see people outside dining or just inside the restaurant, the first thing I see them do is place their phone on the table and they're talking and having fun with their coworkers or their friends. And someone can easily walk past or run past and snatch that phone and go. And you know what phones today, smartphones, you have all your information in those phones from credit card information to whatever else should be uh, added to that uh, phone. So situation awareness is key. Uh, I just want to thank you and say I uh, appreciate you having me on your show today. I look forward to seeing the uh, final cut of this. And uh, it, was, it was great. I enjoyed it. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out if you ever need anything. Oh, I won't be. There'll be no hesitating going on here. I was going to say he's very tall, but he's also very striking for those of you who are not watching on YouTube. So get on YouTube and have a look. That's where he's going to stand <laughs> out in the crowd. Um, so, no, thank you, Stacey. This has been such an important conversation. I'm so grateful for you commenting on my post, which is obviously what then, which is what sparked our conversation. But I'm also so grateful for what you're doing and this attitude that you have of, sharing and wanting to educate and wanting to kind of pass the baton on I think that's just such an important thing and you know the fact that you return you know after sort of 30 35 years of federal government work you're still working in this space what does you know that shows a lot of passion yeah, yeah. you're not ready quite to give this up yet um so look I it's been incredible we'll definitely have you back for another um for another talk I've also got a way of trying to make you come over to the UK which we'll talk about in a second when we're offline awesome. so I love that <laughs> I thought you would so thank you so much um everybody today you have been listening to Talking TRM um I am Travel with Bex also known as Bex Deadman if I do it the other way around we will be back in a couple of weeks with another session in the meantime please stay safe take care of yourselves and keep listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31030, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to a Scent Risk Management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.